Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Somos Moss podcast. My name, of course, is Seth, and joining me tonight is Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. This is episode number 46, Road Woes, or something to that effect. We'll figure out a name after the fact. But uh, guys, it's been a heck of a week and a half, and uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, we talked about the last time we, we sat down and, and we talked, um, We it was after the uh, after the Colorado Springs match, I believe it was. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> said, you're going to have to mute him. That's the only way we're going to get through this podcast. <laughs> I might just leave that one in there. I might just leave it there. Um, but before we get into our New Mexico United discussion, uh, one burning question of the week, NBA finals, who's going to win? Uh, Earl. Phoenix. Yeah, I think I think Earl's right. Just for the simple fact that I don't think I mean Giannis came back tonight, but I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent at all. And and I think Phoenix is just a deeper team, and and has more balance across their roster, both offensively and defensively right now. So, and uh, as of right now. I think they are up one nothing in the series because game one ended a few minutes ago of final score one eighteen to one oh five Phoenix. So yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. I didn't I did you watch it? Did either of you watch it? I didn't watch it. Uh no, I was watching um the greatest quarterback alive uh play golf. <laughs> Tony Romo? Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Tony Romo. <laughs> oh man. Everybody's got jokes today. It's great. Johnny um, football. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Wait, wait, wait. Baker was playing today and I missed it. Fuck. I'll be back. I'm sure there's a VOD somewhere Earl, that you can watch that on. But uh, Earl, yeah, I, I, Earl has it recorded on a VHS tape. He'll watch it later. Well, you guys have VHS tapes. Well, yeah. What did you use? A track. I just have to listen That's to audio. I just got to listen to the sound. <laughs> what are, are you looking for something else to make noise with? Is that what you're doing right now? Earl's recorded uh, <laughs> someone playing golf so he can just hear the sounds of the just, club hitting the ball. Just tink, tink. Yeah. <laughs> tink. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch any of the NBA finals today. Mute him. Um, Mute him. Oh, dear God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think if, I think it's going to be Phoenix and five. Um, they, they played pretty well today. Giannis did come back and play tonight. Um, and as talented as he is, uh, the Bucks did beat my, uh, beat my Hawks. The Hawks had a fantastic season, you know, one of the greatest runs. And they finally gave Nate McMillan a, a contract. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go, bu- uh, sons in five. Seth, Seth either is being the, ultimate professional and just ignoring your nonsense or he can't hear you and and i i don't know which one's which but yeah i, I think sons in five is the right answer there i don't think they'll sweep them but but it, it should be a good series so i'm gonna go sons in four because as of this past week i am still the champion of predictions because Whatever. i i did say two one can't guarantee United win. Son of a bitch, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I hate Earl. 
hate him. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I muted that. My bad. <laughs> oh, I already know your so, feelings. Uh, I know your true feelings. Oh, I am kind of. I'm a little bummed that I can't pick you up on Friday. Uh, I enjoy our car rides of nonsense. Well, you still can. You just got to leave Ali behind. <laughs> I can't. I, no, I can't. <laughs> We're not going back to. I. I mean, I guess technically, technically, I could, and then I would have to leave the game, drive to Moriarty, drop you off, drive back to Berlin. And then we're getting up in the morning and going to Crucis. So, yeah, don't worry about it, Seth. I will park at yeah. your place, and then we could ride to Dion's. Then you could pick us up from Dion's and do that fun jazz. Okay, yeah. we'll workshop it. We'll workshop. Yeah, we got a couple days, yeah. but anyways, we're not here to make plans. Uh, has, has the podcast started? Have we, we actually we, started? We okay, started the podcast. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Wait, have we started? I, I'm just. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think he did do the inter- introduction and then asked the one burning question. Yeah. Yeah, we we are in the podcast. I was waiting for uh, something to come flying in from off off screen from Jacob's camera, uh, but I think he gave the right answer because I know Allie's sitting there with him. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so can I ask my one burning question? Yes, yes, you can. It's it's a play on an old Shakespeare quote: um, "To panic or not to panic." <laughs> that. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Earl. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Will you mute him? Just mute him. That's all it takes. Nope. You have the power. I do have the power. Nope, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> We're never going to get through this episode. We might not. Never. We, we might, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's you know, Even if we don't get through it, we'll have the recording here on YouTube, and uh, it'll, it will live on forever. That's what will happen. If I'm a listener to this podcast, I am pissed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, listener. I apologize. The good news is, is that Earl's about to eat an airhead, so his mouth will be non-functional for about 30 minutes now. Um he can still probably make noises uh, other ways, but uh, he won't talk, which I think we can all agree uh, is is listening to him open an air airhead. It's probably better than hearing him talk. So oh. staple. Oh, a, a paper. A, he has a, a pad of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why these are so entertaining. <laughs> Anyways. Are we panicking, guys? What What are we doing? Are we at least like hovering? Like I I was close to hitting the panic button two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think it was, and uh, then I got talked off the ledge because we beat San Antonio, and then since then we have looked um, don't say not it. not as bad as Vegas did to start the season, but not great. Uh, it, it you know giving up eight goals in three matches. Uh, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's uh, let's see if it pays off, and it didn't. So I don't think we're hitting the panic button yet. Um, I do think it's starting to creep up in the back of our minds, and we're starting to think about it a lot more. Um, if for whatever reason, who the hell are we playing this weekend? Colorado Springs. Colorado whatever. Springs. If for whatever reason Monday. we don't come out with three points against Colorado Springs, um, I think it's time to start 
thinking about the panic button. Hold on. Now. Hold on. So my wallet is on my dresser. And I just see my wife reach across my bed, grab my wallet, and look at her phone. She's buying me something. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself so I don't take my wallet away from her. Xanax? <laughs> something. I don't know. <laughs> Adderall? Here's, well, this is me right now, guys. This is me right now. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Yes. It's, it's a very small panic button. It's not the big giant panic button. Okay. No, well, it's a very small panic button. Before I give my answer to your question, what is it about this these three performances that has you panicking? Well, before these three performances, every bad result, you've been able to go, okay, RGV got a lucky bounce. It was the first game of the season. Blah, 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 blah. Loudon, the refereeing was atrocious. Blah, blah, blah. Austin parked the bus hard, parked multiple buses more than I've ever seen parked, and we couldn't break them down. Then we beat San Antonio, and we're like, okay, there we go. And then, you know, Friday, last Friday, Friday before last, a little, about a week and a half ago, I, I, I was, I wasn't mad at all. We played Haji Berry. We got our butts kicked by Haji Berry and the other members of that front three. And they just, I mean, I didn't think our defense was bad. They just performed. But then the Monarch, the second half specifically of the Monarchs and El Paso games just were straight up dumpster fires. And I don't like if it was just something that like if, if we just played bad for two games in a row, I'd be like, OK, whatever. But if you go back to a few weeks ago when I was hovering over the panic button to begin with, it was because we could not finish both finish as in score goals and finish as in finish games out and get results. And if you look at the last three matches, we had a lead in all three of them. We ended up losing all three, not just drawing all three of them, not getting a point here or there. No, we were up in both matches at halftime. Well, in two of the three matches, we were up at halftime and ended up getting zero points out of it. And everything that we have talked that I have talked about being a problem, which was finishing for me, it's been on the offensive side, just, I feel like the creativity has been there. I feel like the chances have been there, at least for the most part. Just touches inside the box have been absolutely atrocious, whether it's the the second-to-last touch that would set up a goal or the goal itself. I mean, Brown had a glorious opportunity to tie that El Paso match. And, I mean, from, from the six-yard box, like right on the edge of the six-yard box, and and kicked it out of the stadium. It was so bad. Not even, let alone not put it on frame. He just sky mailed that to the moon. And that just epitomizes the problem that we have, in my opinion. Is I know I know a lot of people are going to point at the defense, but that we should be scoring more goals. And if if we score two on El Paso before they get to before they tie it we're we're not giving up two goals in 90 seconds 
to get a draw. We're we're finding a way to put them away, but we just we haven't been that killer instinct to put our foot down and get two goals in the back of the net. Aside from Salt Lake, obviously, but that that was another disaster in the second half altogether. So here's my thing, and so for the for a while now, I've kind of hopped off the bandwagon of JOG and JP versus JPG, and that that kind of shenanigan. I was kind of playing it nice because he was actually playing kind of good. This past match with El Paso, he reminded me of why I called him JOG all last season. He should not have a starting spot because he's not that kind of caliber. <clears throat> maybe year one he was, maybe some of year two, here a match here, a match there he was, but he's not, and he has not changed my mind on why he shouldn't be starting. Uh, there is some debate on whether Dev should be starting or not. I think he, go ahead, Jacob. Remind me again what JOG was. Jog versus Just JPG. Jog, okay, yeah. okay. Because I couldn't remember if it stood for something or or no, if it was just jog. It's just jog because he does not put his hundred percent into every play. Um. So back what I was saying, there could be some debate on Dev not starting or Dev starting or whoever you ask on YouTube or Facebook or if you ask Jacob. Um. I still think with the talent we have right now, and I'm talking like right now as of this moment. Yeah, Dev starts. Dev definitely starts over Illich. Dev, when it comes down to it, will start over Brown. Um, I I don't know what's wrong. I don't think it's the defense. I think our defense is still good. Yeah, we've given up a billion goals in the past two nights, in the past two games. But I don't think it's our defense. I think it's our midfield not playing smart. And I think that has something to do with Azira coming in into a starting role, which kind of surprises me still. <clears throat> and JPG, JOG still having a starting spot over Sergio Rivas. So would you start Rivas and, let's say, Cello over JPG and Azira? I would start my grandma over JPG. <laughs> okay oh. okay um yeah so to go back to jacob's original question i'm not hitting the panic button right now some of that some of that has to do with the fact i'm an atlanta supporter uh i'm an everton supporter and you know there, there's gonna be bad as, as you're also a falcons fan yes there is I, I was like, atlanta you know atlanta sports and uh you know there's gonna be bad there's gonna be you know, stretches of games where you're not going to play well. And that goes for any sport. I agree with you, Seth. It's just, it's three, three years now where we have seen us not be able to hold on to leads for whatever reasons. It's three years of, of the same midfield causing the same problems. It's three years of dev starting when I, I mean, I look at Dev and I understand fully why he starts. He is the face of this franchise. He is New Mexico United. Um, and he's not terrible. He just... You compare him to Haji Berry, and it's... I get that they have two different styles, 
and 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 there's different ways to play that position. But if you just look at production, we're not getting anything out of them. But on the say on the flip side of that coin, like Earl said, who are we going to put there? Okay. Unless we change the formation, if we if we decide to play with two forwards, unless it's like Brown and Rivas right now with Amondo out, and Brown's probably going to be out. I, I think he might be out for this weekend. No, he didn't make the the final. No, record. okay. So so we won't lose Brown. That that's man. I was nervous because if you lose Brown, then we really have nothing going for us right now because he was the one semi bright spot. Even though I mentioned him skying that sitter at the six yard box, but to me, it's not. It's not just three games that have me hitting the panic button. It is the past three years having the same similar issue, same or similar issues, finishing matches and scoring goals, and that is worrisome. I'm not, I'm not Troy out because one, I think we have a talented roster that Troy put together. Two, this is Troy's third year as a head coach, and he is. I believe he is capable of learning from things. Um, I just wish he wouldn't start Juan Pablo Guzman and Azira in the same midfield and preferably would have enough talent up front to bring Dev off the bench. But other than that, I, I'm fine with it. And And I would like to throw my two cents in on the question that you asked Earl about who I would start in the midfield. I, I'm okay with Juan Pablo starting. He just can't start with Azira and Tanari. Or, let me rephrase that. He, I need two, two players next to him that can at least be a threat in the attack. Whether that's Isidro, Tanari, Rivas, two of those three have to start next to Juan Pablo if he starts. I wouldn't start him if I was the coach. Of course I'm not. But... I don't have a problem with him starting. It just can't be next to a zero. And I don't have a problem with a zero playing. It just can't next be next to Juan Pablo Gunmaz. And actually, no, you don't take that back. I don't want Juan Pablo out there. Because as soon as I said that, the play where they scored their first goal, El Paso scored their first goal, just ran through my head. And it was just Juan Pablo just gifting the ball to El Paso at the top of the box and then just hanging his head and not doing anything to try to fix the situation. It was like he gave the ball away and was like, oh, shit, they're going to score. I messed up and just gave up. And so, yeah, now take him out. Sit, a, sit, him, sit him down. I I have to look it up. I'm going to look something up. I'm going to let somebody else talk while I look something up. <laughs> See, uh, I'm, on this, I'm on the same boat. I mean, I said it week two, I believe it was, that JPG should not be starting. I've been on the JPG hate wagon for I've been drinking the hater aid, if some people will say, for a while now, and throwing in different quirks into the roster, into the lineup, like starting a Zira, um, does not help JPG at all. Don't get me wrong. Do I think a is a talented individual? Yes, of course, but I don't think that he he's a defensive player, and I don't know what kind of player JPG is, but. 
with Azira starting next to JPG, they kind of feed off of each other's bad habits. And 90 second, two goals, two goals in 90 seconds is what happens. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to figure out where to start with this. Um, <laughs> I, looking at these past three, three matches, there are, there's obviously a lot of negative to take away from it. Um, and, and you know, we can talk about maybe some of the positives later. Um, specifically looking at how we've played and how we've had to line up. Um, I definitely, so both JPG and Azira are, are more CDMs. They're more defensive minded players. And Juan Pablo does a pretty good job of handling the actual mid middle of the pitch. And you can't really fault him too often for the decisions that he makes out there in terms of picking his passes and where they go. Now, every player gives the ball away at some point. It's going to happen. But here in these past couple matches, you, you look at Colorado Springs, uh, which was the, I think that was the first. No, that was the uh, that was the first of the three. Colorado Springs was the first of the three. You look at that. Well, we talked about Haji Berry. We talked about Galena, and we didn't contain them. Not through the midfield. And I thought that Sam was the was the wrong pick to play on that right side against Haji Berry. And their pace just absolutely killed us. And that's something we don't actually have a, have a lot of. And we kept seeing Galena and Barry link up time and time again throughout that match. Um, so it's, it's really hard to put anything into that match other than that. I mean, you can't pinpoint, you know, particular players that failed there. Um, now looking at, at Monarchs, the, the next match now, I think it's worth pointing out that Monarchs did uh, have four players from Real Salt Lake play in that match. And so, you know, there's going to be a different level of competition there. And, you know, we, we jumped out to the two goal lead. I thought we played really well in the first half, but after we surrendered that first goal and then RSL started uh, pressing a little bit more. And of course this was the match that uh, the Phil big Phil got his, got his debut. And so I felt kind of bad for Phil in this, you know, um and again i don't I, you know i don't think phil is a bad keeper you know we and uh i feel like that was a, that was a match of bangers you know there were some goals from distance that that last one from from noah powder took a funky slice on it you know and so i don't necessarily put all of that on him um yes he probably could have positioned himself a little bit better so not to cut you off if you could hold your thought for a second I'm actually, and it's bad to say it, but I'm actually happy that El Paso scored on us like they did in 90 seconds. Um, hear me out, Jacob. I know. It sounds crazy. Is this is this an anti-Tambacus take? No, it's actually, uh, okay. okay. it's 50-50. So, immediately after RSL match, the Monarchs match, um... Facebook was going nuts. Where's Alex? Where's Tom Bacchus? I miss Cody. Blah, 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 blah. Shut the fuck up. Really what it was. Um, but then the next week, Tom Bacchus gives up two in 90 seconds. But there was no kind of, I miss Phil or I miss Cody. Blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Bullshit. Anyway, Seth, go back on. <laughs> oh yeah, I will kind of jump the you know jump the lead a, bit, a little bit there, and then getting to um, 
getting to El Paso, I mean, yeah, you know, we took the early, we took, well, not early, we took the lead in the first half in that match. Uh, Brownie got his first goal for the club on a, I thought was a fantastically taken uh, uh, free kick. I thought he was, he, he did that, play that very smartly going under the wall. And I have to point out the, the color commentator for, uh, for El Paso acting like she'd never seen that before. I mean, come on. That's one of the, so, it, it so hold on, hold calm. on. I, I think, I think, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to try to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that I think what she was saying was that she's never seen it actually stop a shot. There was a lot of commotion in there. She said a lot of things. But at one point in there, she said, basically, I've never seen it work. And I think that's what she was getting at. I could be wrong, but I think that's what she was getting at. Or she's never seen him face the area of the free kick. I was thinking about this when I was watching it because we know how much I hate El Paso players, most El Paso players. I think it would have been hilarious if Brown or Dev just straight up aimed for his nuts <laughs> and just just kicked the ball as hard as they could right at his face or his balls and just because he was he had his hands behind his back. Like I didn't I guess to not get a handball called, but it was the dumbest thing i've ever seen there but that's why you lay with your either that's why you lay with your back to it yeah (laughs) exactly so so i think i I could be wrong but i'm trying to trying to give this girl who has been atrocious don't get me wrong she's been bad for the two matches that we've played there um but just trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and say i think what she was saying was she's never seen it actually stop a shot and work because most of the time, if you see somebody laying there, then you're just not going to hit the ball on the ground because there's no point. But I think that's what she was saying. But at the same time, I don't really want to defend her because she's an El Paso commentator who is bad. Yeah, Her yeah, and no, Yuma I... probably drink beers together. <laughs> probably. They, they just might. And, you know, so I, things look good in that match. And then, you know, there in the second half, you know, obviously El Paso comes back, scores two goals in 90 seconds. Uh, Diego Luna gets two goals, you know, all nice, all nice and good for him. But and then Dylan, Dylan Mares. Oh, Mares. That's right. I thought, yeah, not Luna. It was Mares. Got the two. That's right. Um, I, I keep, I was thinking Diego Luna because, because of how good he played for them on, on, on Friday night. But um, anyway, looking at that scenario, then looking at the, the comments across social media and after the fact, you know, again, people are calling, you know, oh, it's, it's a tactical problem, you know, tactics mean coaches and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, okay, if you want to pick out this match and say there's a tactical issue here, yes, there are things that you can point to and say, hey, this is a problem. And, and I made it, I replied to this person on Reddit and I said, you know, there are, you know, here are a couple of different things where you can, you can pull this and say, yes, this was a poor tactical decision. Um, if you, there was a play there, there was a moment there in the second half where if you watch the play on the pitch, Sam had pulled all the way over and was basically playing a center back, almost less center back. He was slightly left to center, leaving the entire right side of the pitch completely open. And Josh had to track all the way back to make a stop. You know, that's poor positioning right there. Poor, a poor tactical decision, not by Troy but by the players on the pitch instead of maintaining their shape. And they slid so far over, they gave that entire side of the pitch open. 
Um, and there were a few other things that I pointed out as well. I'm, and I'm looking at probably this person. I said, but you have to look at what happened, what led the lead up to those goals. The first one, JPG made a incredibly terrible pass that Nick Ross picked off and set them up to score that first goal. Second one, Michael Azira made a terrible pass. Andrew Tanari, who the pass was going to, he just stood there. He didn't move towards the ball. He didn't move to, t- to take that pass and allowed Nick Ross to step in again and set up that second goal. And, you know, I look at it and I'm, and I'm honestly, you know, Alex made a great save on the first shot there by, um, I think it was, uh, was it Rebe? I think it was Rebe Young. We got the first shot off. Alex made the save, got the deflection. And then it just happened to fall straight to, to Dylan Morris. You know, I don't blame Alan. Could he have, pro- could he have wrapped it up? Maybe, you know, we don't know how incredibly hard it is. It was a good shot by, by Rebellion. It was, it was a hard, low driven shot. And maybe that's all he could do, but there was no one on that side of the goal. And Mars just walked in and took it. You know, there's nothing that, there's nothing that Alex could have done about that, really. I mean, again, maybe he could have wrapped it up. You know, it, it's just looking at it. But, I mean, there there were issues there. But to say it's a tactical decision and it's on Troy, I've even, saw, I've even seen people say, that, oh, he's not coaching to win. That is the biggest load of bullshit. You know, Troy doesn't go out there. Co- no coach goes out there to coach to lose or to coach to draw. No one goes out there with that intention. The match against El Paso, the outcome was the the direct result of two terrible passes from two two players that really shouldn't have made those passes they were trying to do. Now, yes, El Paso was pressing significantly higher and with more intensity in that second half, but these are two intelligent players that could have done something better with the ball. That is not a tactical decision by Troy. That is not a tactical error by Troy. That was not a problem with how they lined up. It was two mental errors by veteran players. And that's where the that's where how where that match was lost. So so I got uh, and we've obviously talked about comments on social media um galore already, but but I did get one that actually made me think um it is Troy that is making the decision who is out there. And for as bad as Juan Pablo Guzman has played at times and for giving up, I mean, that wasn't the first turnover that he had. Obviously you're going to turn the ball over, but it is a turnover that we've seen him make before. And so yes, Guzman is the one that made that mistake. Azira is the one that made the mistake. Troy is the one that had them out there in the first place. And keeps having Guzman out there, even though everybody on this podcast, anyways. Well, actually, I don't know what Seth's thought on on Juan Pablo Guzman is, but um, me and Earl both are are pretty much not against him, but think that they were there are better options out there. So to okay, but to are that, there, are there better options in the team though? Look yes, at, yes, look at yes. Have. yes, yes, yes. Okay, let me ask you: Is Tanari a better defender? Then okay, there, yes. there's a little quick answer thing I hear on the radio. Okay, uh, Juan Pablo or Tanari? Tanari. Tanari. As Azira or Tanari? Tanari. Okay, 
Now, now keep in mind, this is in a defensive role. This is a defensive-minded role. Yes, because to, to, to so so back to the Tanari thing on the defensive-minded role thing. Tanari last year was the star of our defense. He was an absolute bulldog. He was everywhere. He challenged everything. He disrupted plays. He picked up yellow cards. Yes, but for the most part, they weren't cheap yellow cards. They were they were one either hard fouls just to send a message or they were to stop a fast break or something like that. So Tenari defensively to me, defensively. Yes. With the ball at his feet. Yes. It's Tenari all day, every day over Guzman. Okay. Rivas or, or Guzman. Rivas. So I say Rivas because Rivas has the ability to get back quickly. He also has the ability to flip the light switch on and get upfield faster than hell. See, I if you were to tell me that you were going to put Rivas in Guzman's place and still have Tenari up front, one, I would still be okay with that. I think Rivas has the ability like like Earl said, Rivas can get back. He can he can defend. He is athletic enough. He's fast enough. He can put himself in better positions than I feel like Guzman can. And then two, if if you're telling me that Tenari's up at like the head of the spear type thing there at the top in the midfield, and it's Rivas's job to be the Guzman role and drop back and defend, I would say that's dumb. You shouldn't be doing that. So to me, it's not a question of can this person replace Guzman straight up? Because I just, I just feel like we have a better midfield trio that are all kind of interchangeable and can do similar things. If you were to tell me that our starting midfield was Rivas, Isidro, and Tenari, I'd be thrilled. Because I feel like they can all do good things on both sides of the ball and can attack better than Guzman can and not give the ball away in dangerous spots better than Guzman can and can get back and defend better than Guzman can. For me, I think I think that in a purely defensive midfield role, I feel like Azira and and Guzman are the two better defensive midfielders that we have. Yes, Tanari is good. Yes, Tanari can get back. Yes, he's a bulldog and he can do a great many number of things. I don't I feel like he is the way Troy's been playing him, the way he's evolved his game in just the short time we've seen him, that he's definitely a lot better going forward and creating opportunities. I feel like Guzman's distribution is better. Um, and I don't think that I want Sergio or Cello trying to track back and be a, a holding mid or a defensive mid. I would rather have them going forward than, than dropping back. See, and I'm you, okay with, have a... Go ahead, Earl. I'm okay with Sergio dropping back and being that holding mid or being the defensive mid because he's able to stop the ball. And as soon as he stops the ball, he can instantly turn it around and get the ball up Phil to Dev or get the ball up to Brian and make smart passes 
to where we're not giving up 90-second goals. I I just feel like if you have Tenari, Rivas, and Martinez in the midfield, all three of those guys, I feel, can do more just in the broad sense of the term. So, I mean, if we're talking about just a central defensive midfielder, then yes, I will say Guzman is probably the best at that. I will give you that. Guzman and Azira are, you know, that's the role for them. But I don't think that's what we want or need. We've talked about the versatility of this roster since we saw it take the pitch. And if you look at our two least versatile players, it is Guzman and Azira. They do one thing. They are a central defensive mid, and that is it. They offer nothing in the attack. I, I, I'm going to try to do this at some point. I'm going to go through every goal that we have scored with Guzman on the pitch in our three years and see. Not, I'm not just going to look at assists. I'm not going to look at goals. I'm not going to look at stats. I want to see the video of every single goal leading up to it and see if he starts or does anything to contribute to that play. And I know that he's going to, I know he's going to in some of them because he's on the pitch all the time and we score goals. So I know that there's going to be somewhere he might get a turnover or get a, get a steal, get an interception and, and turn it around and, and at least play a pass sideways instead of backwards or something like that. But my guess is it's not very many. And we have struggled to score goals essentially since year one, even some in year one. And I think Guzman is one of the five people, three people that you can draw a line from year one to now and say, hey, these guys are on the pitch a lot and we have problems scoring quite a bit. Could there be a connection there? I think so. So I would rather have somebody like Tanari who can go back, do 80% of the Guzman central defensive midfield job, but then do 120, 150, 200% more than Guzman does pushing the ball forward. So I'm willing to say on your little video escapade, um, about 90% of those videos will not have anything to do with Guzman. Oh, I agree. Because I remember That's, year that one. That would be what I expected. And Guzman's name was quite quiet. It was it was pretty quiet. There wasn't really anything in there. It was a he who shall not be named. And that's about it. He who shall not be named. And Freighter. Yeah, but Freighter was a top scoring. Yeah, that's true. And I don't don't expect Guzman to score. I don't expect Guzman to be an assist maker. I... I just don't think he contributes anything going forward whatsoever. I hockey assists, the pass before the hockey assist. I'm talking like six, seven, eight, nine plays before the goal. Does he do anything to push forward and contribute to an attacking style? And I understand that that's like I know the soccer people that have been soccer fans their whole life are going to come at me and be like. That's not his role. That's not what his position is called to do. Blah, 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 blah. 
I get that. I understand that fully. I just don't. I, I, I want versatility. And even if he was just like 5% better going forward than what he is, I would be okay with it. But I just, he's not my cup of tea, man. I just, and I don't think he, I don't think he contributes near as much as, as he should. And coach keeps putting him out there. And that's, that's the only thing that makes me kind of step back and go, well, maybe I don't know because I, I know that I'm not a huge tactical soccer person yet because I have only been watching for three seasons, essentially. But I do know that I'm a pretty fast learner and soccer while not the sport that I've grown up watching. I understand the ebbs and flows of team sports and and I compare soccer most closely to basketball or hockey. And I know that they're not the same, but I'm basketball was my sport growing up. And so I can make comparisons there. And, and in order for a player in basketball to not give anything on one side of the ball, they have to be out freaking standing on the other side of the ball. And, and I don't think he's good enough defensively, even though that's his position to, I mean, if he was just a stud, I mean, say like he was like the Kalen Ryden of defensive midfielders, then I'm like, okay, yeah, no, he needs to be out there because they don't get shit past him. And he's just incredible at that. But that's not him. He makes mistakes. We've seen him make mistakes for three years now. And so why give up what we give up on the attack when he's a B level defender and that has to fall on Troy if if he keeps putting him out there and that is the cause of one of our problems then that has to be on Troy that doesn't mean Troy can't learn that doesn't mean that Guzman won't be here next year so he can't play him next year it's just I don't know what kind of connection they have there or what's what's going on there that makes him put him out there every day but I don't I think it's a wrong move, and it is Troy's. It is one thing that I can look at and say Troy is not faultless in all of this. Like it, Tenari made or Guzman made that mistake. Brown didn't score the sitter at the six-yard box. We couldn't finish to save our life in the first half. Dev looked absolutely terrible. Those are all true statements, but at the same time. Troy is the one that built the roster. Troy is the one that's putting them out there. Troy is the one that's making subs. So he's... The blame is on him as well. It's just... I don't want him fired. I just want him to be better. That's all. I get that. I think we can all... I think we can all agree that 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 it is on Troy to put out the the team sheet that will bring us a, a positive result. And something that Troy has said from day 1 is that he's always going to put out whoever he feels is the best fit for that match. And so I mean, we see him make changes, we see him make rotations, we see him do that. And we know that they go through training 
every day or, you know, whatever their, their schedule is outside of that training. It's up to the guys on the pitch to make the plays and with veteran guys out there, you have to be able to trust them to do that. Now, I mean, obviously if they're not, if they're not capable of performing at, at a high level anymore, then a change has to be made. But, you know, once again, once they're out there, you know, and you can see Troy making adjustments. You saw, you know, Friday against El Paso, you saw, um, you saw Harry and Josh switch sides. Even like, like the 30, 35th minute, you saw him switch sides and something just flipped like a switch flipped at that point. And we looked a lot better with Josh on the right and Harry on the left. <clears throat> so Troy is capable of making these changes and making adjustments during the match. You know, it's just for whatever reason, we've, and something we've talked about, like the, the guys have moments where they just like switch off, you know, or they just, they're, they're not as focused and, you know, there's only so much that Troy can do. Now, I personally don't have an issue with the formation that we have. I saw some people, you know, saying that the the three at the back experiment is, is done and blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> I think it's just fine. I mean, a couple matches ago, we went three. We had three, three straight clean sheets with three at the back. You yeah, know? we had, we had given up eight goals or five goals in eight matches at one. Yeah. Point. Ahead of the uh, prior to these three matches, we again we, we have the best goals against average that we've ever had. We, we, we were playing well. We got three consecutive clean sheets, and so I don't think the three at the back is the issue. We talked about is it time for a, a formation change, and you know maybe there is a you know maybe maybe there maybe there are some circumstances in which Troy will change that. And you know, we, we've seen it. Like we, we see them adapt. We see how the team lines up. We know that Josh, Josh can drop back. We know that Harry can drop back. Um, you know, we see it happening on the pitch. So I don't necessarily think it's a formation issue, you know, especially when you've got guys like, you know, Noah powder and, you know, uh, Mares, you know, scoring goals from outside the box. I mean, there's only so much that you can do with that, you know? So I, you know, again, Troy can only coach them up so much. Once they get on the pitch, it's on them. That and that's, I I agree with all of that. I do. the The issue that I have, specifically with Troy and his decision making, is that Guzman has led the midfield in minutes played. So far, he's leading the midfield this year in minutes played by a lot. He led the midfield in minutes played in year one, and him and Tenari were within like 50 minutes of each other, uh, with Tenari kind of beating him out last year. But Guzman plays way too many minutes, and that is on Troy. So it is on Guzman to perform when he's out there. He has not been performing. Troy needs to make that adjustment, and he has not. Um, but other than that, yeah, it, it's. I mean, I can sit here and point out a hundred mistakes that the players made in the last three games that has led to us losing these last three games. And and that's why I don't want Troy fired. And that's why I don't like I don't want Dev to lose his starting position necessarily, but I need to I want to see more out of him in order for him to stay on. Like in, in order for him to be the starter, I I need to see something. And we're just not seeing it in matches. Uh, 
And for whatever, like I get coach and everybody is, is around them for training day in and day out and this and the other. And I get all that, but some players are lights out in training and then you put them uh, against a, a different opponent and, and they're a different player. And so I don't know if that's what we're seeing with Guzman. If he's just like the training ground king and is just nutmegging everybody and creating chances galore on the training pitch, on training field, but then, then you get to Isotopes Park or Southwest U- University Field or whatever the hell it's called down there, and, and he's just not the same. So adjustments there need to be made. And and I don't I don't think it's a formation issue at all. I think I think the back three has done great for us uh if you take out these last three games especially they've been outstanding i mean five goals in eight matches that's beyond great in my opinion so i I think that these three can be an aberration to an extent i just i just want to see more man i just i we should be a better team and to have this same issue of costly mistakes, specifically in the second half, I don't understand why it keeps happening. Is this something that you guys think we can turn around? I mean, obviously, still only ten matches in. You know, it, it, you know, obviously, this is this something that we can turn around? So, it depends on what you mean by turn around. I think we make the playoffs still. I think we made the playoffs pretty easily. Um, I think the potential is there to make a run in the playoffs. So, yes, it can be turned around. And anything can happen. That's, that's the beauty of, of American playoffs in sports is that, especially soccer, it's it's a one one match, do or die, loser goes home, all the cliches that you can throw in there if you want. And anything can happen in those situations. A team can get hot. I mean, I don't think any of us in 2019 said, you know who's the best team in the league? Real Monarchs. No. They were not the best team. They were a good team, don't get me wrong, but they were not the best team in the league going into that playoffs by a long shot. I don't think you... I think you'd have given us... There were 10 teams that made the playoffs that year with the two playing rounds. I think I'd probably have them sixth, maybe fifth. And yet they got hot and and won the title. So that can happen. But it, what I thought going into this season, what I want is for us to dominate beginning to end, or at least be on everybody's radar from beginning to end. And now I'm wondering if people aren't going to be like, oh, this team's not actually that good. Uh, we can take it to them. I want people to be scared when they come to the lab. I I don't think Colorado's scared for a Friday. I think Colorado is licking their lips to get to us and say, this team is reeling. We started that. Let's freaking drive a dagger through their heart right now is what they're going. What's going on in that locker room would be my guess. Cause that's, that's how I would feel if I was going in to play them and I'm not a professional athlete. So I think Haji Berry is sitting there going, <laughs> Yes. Two more guys. I'm going to get two more tonight. And 
and that's not how I want it to be. So if you're saying, can we turn it around? Can we win a couple games? Can we make the playoffs? Of course, I think we're going to do that. But if you're saying, can we turn it around and become the team that everybody is scared to face coming into the lab, and if you're saying turning around means that we're going to have home matches at the lab, I'm a little leery at the moment, especially with Amondo being out for a little while longer. Because we're, we're one injury to those forwards away from having Sandoval and Illich have to play 90 minutes for three matches in a row. And that doesn't necessarily uh, scream goals to me, if that's the case. And it's nothing against those players. I like Illich. It's just we haven't seen it yet. See, I don't think, uh, just off the last part of it all, I don't think that we're one injury away from Illich and, and Dev playing every game. Um, I do think that we have some kind of depth in our midfield, such as Sergio, such as Cello. Fuck it, even Suggs. I, I can see those three names even popping up in a forward position have had an injury come up. So I do think there is some kind of depth there. Um, but to answer Seth's question, yes, I do think we can turn it around um, or right the ship or correct the mistakes or whatever the hell people want to call them. Um, it's just a personnel change. It's a simple bench JPG and don't fucking start them. And I think we're okay. Seth, I don't. I don't think it's that simple, though. Like, one, one, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Troy has proven that he's not going to bench Juan Pablo Guzman for a long period of time. He has too much respect for him. Juan Pablo's been in this league for too long and has performed good at what he does uh, for too long. So I don't think we're going to see that. Two, even if we see that, there's still a major hole to me up front with finishing and putting in Tenari or Isidro for Guzman and having Rivas and Rivas or Tenari or Isidro up in that midfield as an attacking midfielder with Suggs and Schwartz. Like it all sounds like it should be fantastic. And like I've said, the chances are there. The, the thing that's lacking, lacking is the touch in the final third. And benching Juan Pablo Guzman isn't going to fix that because Juan P- Pablo Guzman is allergic to the final third. He's never up there anyway. So he's not the problem there. So I I get it, but I got to see the ball find the back of the net before my huge fears are concerned or my huge concerns are, are taken care of. Do you think it's a confidence issue with those guys, or do you think it's a technical issue? Well, we've seen Brian Brown score goals in this league. He he lit it up for Reno in 2019. He was very good and very dangerous and scores goals from everywhere. So I don't think he's lacking skill, and I don't think he's lacking confidence or at least I wouldn't expect him to lack confidence because I know he knows that he's good and belongs here. And then when you're looking at Dev and Amondo and Illich, 
Illich, I just don't think has gotten the reps. I don't think he can get comfortable. I think maybe if we'd have seen that Loudon call go the other way and have Illich get his first when when they called him offside, even though he wasn't, um, I, I think maybe you see a different Illich after that. But I, they just seem to be just – I think I've said this for the past probably – I think I've said it all year – that they're this close. They're just like right there. They just need like one one little touch or one little bounce to go their way sometimes. And, and and it's there. It's just they're either just not on the same page on a play or or the final touch lets them down or or the goalie or a defensive player makes a hell of a play. It's there's just always seems to be one little thing that just doesn't go right and i don't know what that's about i don't i don't know why that is and it's it's honestly very frustrating because it's like oh we get there i see it here he comes oh man and it's like that five six times a game where it's like that and so if i had to put it on confidence or skill i would say it's a lack of confidence because i think the skill is there but at the same time, I don't know. I'm not inside their heads. All right. Well, I feel like you guys are doing crossword puzzles or something <laughs> when I talk. No, I was just looking at some of my notes. Um, you have so, notes? Yeah. yeah, I have some notes. That's why you're the host, my friend. <laughs> that is why you're the host. I just try to, I try to have And that's why there. I talk the most because I don't have notes. So I don't know what to keep me on point. I just talk until I feel like I'm done. Wait, you're, you're right not doing right. crossword puzzle? No. Oh, New York fuck. Times, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just have a few notes, different you know, talk, little talking points, and maybe some stats and things like that. It's not, it's not a lot, but you know, if I was to if I was to sit down like uh, like um, you know, call a match or watch along, whatever, I'd have, I'd have pages and pages of notes. But well, if I was doing um, that, I would. But yeah. but yeah, no, it's just, just some notes that I've gotten. And uh, so I, I think we've kind of touched on all those. We talked about our concerns. We talked about what we think needs to happen, where we might need to, where we might see some improvement. And uh, I think that gets us into this weekend. I mean, we've got two matches Friday, Monday, which is an unusual schedule. Uh, Colorado Springs, of course, will be in town on Friday night. And then on Monday, we have Monday night football against uh, Charleston Battery, a club that we will be facing for the very first time. And uh, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Uh, first thing is a uh, little bit of news came out today. Apparently the city is not going to be able to remove the netting from the third baseline. I don't know why that's an issue or why they can only take down half of it. I, I don't know. But um, so fans, if you're on the third baseline, uh, you will have to deal with the netting on Friday night. Uh, potentially on Monday as well. Um, but uh, Colorado Springs is obviously coming in. Jacob, you mentioned earlier, you know, we want this place to be loud. We want it to be raucous. You know, uh, we want them to you know, be afraid to come here. And I do want to point out that Friday night will be the very first time this season and the first time since 2019 that New Mexico United is open, uh, that the lab is open for full capacity. And uh, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see 12,000 plus there on Friday night. And that's something that these teams have not played in front of uh, for quite a while. I know our 9,000 uh, 
eight, you know, 8,900, 9,000 fans have been, has been pretty impressive at the 75% capacity, but uh, 12,000 plus Friday night, hopefully it'll be packed. I, I don't imagine Monday nights will be quite as big, but how much of a factor do you think of that plays into these two matches? Oh, it's going to be huge. Um, at least for Friday, I think that'll be a booster for this, for United to get back into it and get back into their groove of things, especially playing in, I, I think there'll be more than 12,000. I want to say closer to 14. That's just hopeful thinking and wishful thinking. Um, if it's anything over 12,000, it's a plus and either way, even if it's nine, it's going to be loud as hell and I can't wait, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a a booster, at least for two home games, to where they get to at least play in front of their own crowd, being on a road trip. They get to play in front of their own people, their own state, and they don't have to go far from home. Yeah, I, we've talked about my apprehensions of the team uh, playing at home a little bit and how I'm, I don't understand why they're not better. And to put that in perspective with, you look at the last, how many have we played at home this year? Four, I think. So we played four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You look at the last nine home matches. We'll say 10 just because. The last 10 home matches with fans. Going back to September 14th of 2019, 3-1 win against Colorado Springs. Awesome. That is three. That's only the third. We've only had three wins in our last 10 home matches with fans. That 3-1 win against Colorado Springs in September of 2019. The October match against Vegas that sealed our playoff fate last year. A two one or two nil win over Vegas, and then the three one win against Austin or against uh, yeah Austin this year. Other than that, you have a one one draw against Tacoma, a one one draw against RGV, a two two draw against Phoenix, a three one loss against Reno, one nil loss against Loudon, nil nil draw against Austin, and then the San Antonio match. So, so I, I'm sorry, we had four in the ten games. My bad. Uh, and we had leads in several of those draws. So I, I, I'm I, not going to sit here and say it's going to be a, a giant boost in our performance um, because I don't... I have not seen the results that say playing at home in front of 15,000 fans is actually beneficial for our results. So... I think it's a great morale boost. I think the players love playing in front of the fans. I think the fans are going to enjoy the atmosphere and have a great time. I'm not going to say that that's going to be a huge factor in whether we win or lose. Well, I'm, well, I mean, obviously it's not going to be a factor in whether we win or lose. I mean, you know, unless you have a few talented folks out there in the stands that get signed before Friday, you know, um, it's, it's going to come down. Well, to I, I think that everybody's perspective is that we have 15,000 fans that should boost the players play and we should get more results playing at home in front of those fans. And it, that just hasn't been true period. Yeah, no, I get that. And 
you know, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, you want, I think everyone wants their, their home stadium, their home park to, to be a, a fortress. And by, and I think, I think that playing in front of, you know, 12, 15,000 people, when you're something that you're not used to, I mean, Colorado probably pulls what a couple thousand. Uh, I don't know what Charleston pulls, um, you know, but I imagine it's kind of unnerving when you're not used to it. And so, and I, I think there's just an electric atmosphere that happens out in the lab. And I think it does, you know, help energize the club a little bit more on the pitch. And you may see a little bit more effort, a little bit, you know, uh, a little extra, extra effort, extra energy going into it. But in terms of like the actual outcome of the match, it absolutely doesn't, you know, it doesn't play a factor in it. Um, I think the guys definitely love playing at home more than on the road. And I think, I think that's just part of it is playing in front of the fans and, you know, no matter what I'm, I'm going to support them. I, I certainly hope we get, you know, some results this weekend, but it's, there's going to be two tough matches. I mean, Colorado Springs, obviously they just beat us three, one. Uh, I mean, Haji Berry obviously is going to be a player to keep an eye on, on Friday night. Uh, probably Galena as well, Michi Galena. And uh, I mean, outside of those two guys, I mean, th- that's probably, they're probably the two biggest threats that they have. I think, oh crap! Well, I'm gonna blank on the name. The other, the the third you know, person of their front three, Beckford. Beckford, yeah. Uh, I I think he's starting to find a little bit of a groove now too, and and that that one two punch now becomes a a three punch combo. That it, it's freaking scary, um, and our. Our back line, I think, can be up for it, but like we've talked about ad nauseum, this game, this this podcast is our midfielders need to be better. So, uh, unless that changes, I don't see us slowing down those three up front. Yeah, they're going to be tough no matter what happens. And like you said, we've got to find ways to contain them. Um, I think maybe we make a, a, a switch in the back, you know, maybe whatever side Barry's playing on, we put, you know, Austin on that side to, to kind of help slow him down a little bit. I think Austin's got a little bit better pace than Sam does. Uh, the, so the thing about Barry, though, is I think he can – I mean, he's usually the the central forward, so the center forward there, and, and he kind of goes wherever he wants, so – don't, uh, what I will say is I would put Sam on the opposite side of Galena because okay. I think Haji is going to go to whatever side he wants and I think he's more likely to combine with Galena on one side so if you switch Austin and Sam there then maybe but Haji Berry and and company are so good that I think they might just find whoever the weakest is on the back line and attack them no matter where they are yeah, very well could be. Um, yeah, again, uh, yeah, I think, you know, slowing down their forwards, that's the key. Uh, we got to find a way to do that. And then obviously, you know, finish our chances at the other end. And, you know, uh, I think closing down on folks is going to be something that we have to do a little bit better of. Uh, we gave Colorado a, a few uh, a few open looks, and obviously the pace killed us. So uh, predictions for Friday night. Earl. I'm going to go crazy and say 3-0. 3-0. I'm going to make you say Colorado who, though. Or us. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you give a winner here. 
All right. Let's see. I think Rivas gets one. Okay, so it is us. Okay. Yeah, we. It's gonna be us. We win, um, three nil with Rivas, Sugzi, and Sandoval. See, I, I see what Earl, Earl's doing there. He, he just is. He feels so bad for us getting so many predictions right that he's just gonna say the most outlandish shit just so he's not right. And we don't have to listen to him brag about how he's right next week. Um, actually, so that's what that's what you're doing. Actually, actually, there, kind sir. I've already had my like my lineup done. Um, I've had my prediction for Monday and Friday, and who scores the goals. So it's it's not like an outlander thing. It's like a wild guess up my ass. Nice. Earl came prepared. Nice. Yeah, I had notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I don't think there's a chance in hell we shut them out. Um, I understand that Colorado, well, I, I know that Colorado Springs was shut out, not the last match that they played, but the match before um, against Orange County. I'm aware of that. They're not invincible. They can be shut down. With the way we are playing and the way Haji Berry is playing and Galena and Beckford, there's there's just no way we, we keep a clean sheet uh, unless we see a completely different second-half team out there. So I cannot, in good faith, say, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to keep a clean sheet. Uh, so I can't, I can't do that. And at this point, I don't know if I can say we're going to score more than one goal. So 1-1 one, one draw is my prediction. Okay. Uh, I think the guys are going to be not very happy about that road trip. Uh, and, okay. and Brownie gets the goal, by the way. Nice. Okay. One for Brownie. There you go. Uh, I know Kalen's already put out a statement on on Twitter, at least, saying you know that they are disappointed it wasn't what they had you know, wanted to do is it wasn't, they weren't the expected outcomes. And I think no one expected these outcomes. Um, you know, we got to be better. Got to protect those leads. Um, Friday night, I think two one us, I think they're just, just being back at home. I think the guys step it up a little bit. Not that they shouldn't be playing like that on the road, but I just, I just think there's something and they're going to be excited to be back. And I think, yeah, two one for us Friday night. I, I I get the prediction. I just I think we've said like four no times faith. this year. I think we've said like four times this year that oh I don't want to be the next team that we play because we're gonna be upset and we're gonna come out and kick their ass and then then we take eighty six minutes to score against Real Monarchs after the Loudon debacle and we lose two to one against El Paso. Uh, or three to two against Real Monarchs after we got our asses kicked by Colorado Springs. So I get it, and maybe playing at home can kind of change that. But uh, I that that's probably the most disappointing thing to me is I don't see any fight in these guys. Like I I see Ryden talking the talk, and Ryden is walking the walk. Don't get me wrong, Ryden's been spectacular, but as a team, they're not. 
they're not walking the walk when they're talking about that. They talked about the road warrior mentality and how this road trip wasn't going to be any different and that this and that and the other. And then we lost three games on the road. Um, so I, I just, I need to see them come out and be pissed off. Like I want to see Ryden bark at Guzman for making that mistake. I, I understand family. I understand we're a family, this, that, and the other. I have a family. And guess what? We fight like Caxton dogs sometimes. And I'm not seeing any fight whatsoever in these guys. It's all, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get them next time. Well, this is the fucking next time. You got to get them Friday. Because if we lose Friday, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Because their confidence is going to be just completely shot to shit. And especially if it's in a manner where we get up by a goal or two and then end up losing, like that's just not going to fly. Things will change. Something will change. Not Troy. Uh, Troy's not going anywhere, but lineups will be shuffled. Formations will be changed and, and people will be sitting their ass on the bench because they're not performing. If that's the case, I hope that's the case already, but Friday shit's going to hit the fan if they don't come out and fight like a motherfucker. All right, there you go. Strong words from Jacob. And uh, let's take a quick look at the Monday night football matchup against Charleston Battery. The Troy the Sane Cup is what I'm calling this one. Um, Charleston Battery come in. They are 3-3-2 three, three, and two on the season. They have won three of their last five matches. Uh, they started off the season 0-1-2. Uh, oh, oh, which is not a good way to start your season. And they are one, two and one on the road right now, coming off of a loss to, and I had this up just a second ago, uh, Tampa Bay. That is correct. And so, yeah, I mean, they played not, they played only played eight matches so far. They've got nine goals scored and 11 conceded. Um, Honestly, I don't know. I still don't know a whole lot about Charleston. I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch them a little bit ahead of the match on Monday to see if I can pick out some, some players. I mean, they're, you know, it looks like they're they've got three guys tied for their team leading goals. Um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, first time an Eastern Conference opponent has come to us. Uh, can't wait to see this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, knowing what little we know, I mean, have you guys watched Charleston at all? I haven't watched them, no. Um, not this year, anyways. They've been a team that I've been trying to watch. It's just they play. They never play when I have a chance to watch. I've got always got something going on, so I haven't had a chance. They, they're they're kind of a roller coaster of a team. You look at their their results: one one draw, three nil loss, two two draw, one nil win, two one win, three nil loss, three will three nil win, and then the one nil loss to Tampa Bay. So they they haven't been able to string anything together. Uh, they also haven't lost multiple games in a row. Um, so it's, they're just kind of up and down. You never really know what you're going to expect. If if you're looking at, what's the word I'm looking for? Similar opponents? Common opponents. The same opponents. <laughs> they have played Loudon twice, and they have won one nothing and 3 nothing. So they have dominated Loudon uh in a fashion that I feel like we should have dominated Loudon and would have if it wouldn't have been for a terrible red card uh, and some terrible calls on handballs and whatnot. So 
I, I feel like it's going to be a pretty good game. I think they're in for a rude awakening coming to this altitude. Uh, with Colorado Springs Friday, that doesn't come into play. But uh, last time I checked, Charleston was was pretty low in elevation, and uh, they're gonna they 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 might be a, a hard time coming to to this elevation and and the fans. I mean, I, I don't know how our players. I don't think our players react very well to the fans, but I will say I think the opposing players. If we jump on them early, they freak out a little bit. So, um, it's it it's going to be tough for them. They play Wednesday. They play tomorrow, and they do not play again until they play us. So they will have not a week, but more definitely more time than us to recover, recover, and and uh, gear up to play us. So that they have that going for them, which is nice uh, to quote Caddyshack, but. Um, other than that, I think I think that game is that game is a game that I expect to win. Earl, have you watched them at all, or, or no? No, I don't really watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that's the that's the quote of the that's the quote of the episode. <laughs> all right, uh, so yeah. You, and I, and I misspoke. I misspoke <laughs> earlier. Loudon was, of course, the first Eastern Conference winner to come out here. Charleston is the second. Uh, you talked about the elevation difference. The elevation of Charleston is 19 feet. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was <laughs> I was relatively sure it was. Uh, um, pretty much at sea level, they uh, they did have their kickoff time changed. Um, and they will not have fans at their game uh, up on Wednesday. It is it is moved to 4 p.m. Eastern. They moved it up from, I think, 7 uh, Eastern, that is, which would have been 5 o'clock here. So they're actually kicking off at 2 o'clock local time on Wednesday, which is unheard of um, for a Wednesday match anyways. And there will not be fans uh, because of Tropical Storm Elsa. Hurricane Elsa. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Well, the news release here says tropical storm, so suck it, Earl. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Albuquerque is approximately you know fifty three hundred feet higher than uh, <laughs> than Charleston. Uh, we saw Loudon struggle with the elevation change, uh, obviously towards the, towards the end of the match when they were flopping around like dead fish. They did, uh, you know, they're obviously that it is a concern, you know, player safety, player health, uh, pull muscles, elevation sickness. I mean, my guess is they'll probably fly in pretty quick um, or a day or two ahead of time to get used to it. Try to acclimate just a little bit. I know it took me a while when I first moved out here. If I wake up Monday morning and I get on Twitter and the pro referee Twitter page has the uh, assignments and Chris Ruska's name is on that game. I boycott it right away if I'm New Mexico United. Because <laughs> this is, it's setting, and it, it should be a carbon copy of that match against Loudon. Like, we, we should feel them out for the first 10, 15 minutes, make them run around, get them tired. And in the second half, we should just have an onslaught of chances over and over and over again, just like we did against Loudon. And, Assuming the referee crew isn't the same, it should be should be a win by quite a bit. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the the pro referees website right now. For some reason, they only have tomorrow or tonight's match uh, between Orange County and Tacoma Defiance. Yeah, they don't they don't announce it until the morning of. That's so weird. I don't know why they do that. Chris Ruska is refereeing tonight, Orange County and Tacoma Defiance. So, oh, well, hopefully we don't see him then. Yeah, yeah, that that would be uh, that would be nice. So, um, so score predictions for Monday Night Football. Three nil. Three nil. Okay. Earl. Two one. Two one. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go two nil. Us. I just. Yeah. I. I don't see us falling to Charleston. I think New Mexico United wins the uh, the the Troy Lesane Cup, at least for at least this time around, and uh, we'll hold it until I don't know whenever we see Charleston again. So. Never. There you have it, folks. That's uh, that's pretty much going to do it for our show this week. You've heard our our takes on the f- previous three losses, our takes on Friday night's match and Monday night's match against Colorado Springs and Charleston Battery. Uh, hopefully we see some of you folks out at the pitch uh, both nights. If you see us, come stop by, say hi. Uh, we'd love to, love to talk to you guys. Also, uh, if you do interact with us on Facebook, I'm going to, I want to, I want to challenge you. If you interact with us on Facebook at all, if you listen to the show, come join us here live on YouTube on Tuesday nights, instead of, you know, don't just sit behind your keyboards, typing out your, your thoughts on Facebook and stuff. Come join us, discuss it with us. We would love to have that discussion with you guys here on the, on YouTube and we'll get you on the show with us. And so I want to put that challenge out to everyone who is listening. Come join us on YouTube. Uh, of course, Somos Moss podcast. You can find us there. Um, I th- yeah, I think that's going to just about do it. Jacob, get us out of here. How many yellow cards were in tonight's Orange County Tacoma defiance match that Chris Ruska refereed? Five. Seven. Seven is right. <laughs> wow. Six in the second half. <laughs> that guy's a joke, man. Insane. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tack on to what Seth said there. Um, yeah, if you if you interact with us on on Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, uh, anything like that, like come here, uh, even if it's just in the chat here, type out what you're what you're thinking, how much you hate me. Uh, don't direct message me on Facebook for Christ's sakes. Um, just come on here. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find Brandon Klein. I'm going to invite him on the podcast next week. Do it. And please do. Please do. And we'll, I will bring him on. Uh, we will not gang up on him. I will bring him on. I will let him speak his mind. I will tell him why I think he's wrong. And then Seth will kick him out. <laughs> Unless he's a great guy. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a great guy. I don't know. Uh, I just want to call him Dick Cheese. But, yeah. Uh, come and interact with us. That's what we're all about here is we want, uh, we want you guys to be able to voice your opinions and and have a, a discussion with us and not belittle everybody and this, that, and the other. And, and I think we're a great place to do that. So uh, let us know what you think. Find us on social media. Find us on the web, uh, somosmasnm.com. 
read what we have to write when we write and uh, listen to the podcasts, all that jazz. We will be back next Tuesday night, 930. I was going to say on the dot, but 930-ish. Um, back on YouTube with another episode talking about two home matches this time uh, and hopefully six points or at least four. Uh, and hopefully we can kind of write this ship momentarily anyways. And I mean, it's still a long season. Like Earl or Seth said earlier, we've played 10 matches and there's 32 this season. So there is a lot of time left, but when you have a rough patch like this early enough in the season, uh, you, you can either look at it as two things. You can look at it as, Oh, there's plenty of time to turn this thing around or it can snowball quickly. So I don't think that's going to be the case. And, these next two games are going to go a long way in determining that. So next Tuesday should be a huge episode with a lot to talk about either positively or negatively. And um, maybe Earl will watch some soccer between now and then. Um, maybe he'll just find other things to open and make noise with uh, when we open the podcast. So I don't know. We'll have to see, but um, oh, oh, he's reaching for something. Oh, Oh, the llama. Oh, I missed the llama. Anyways, guys, it's awesome. It's great. You're muted, Earl, so you can't can't interrupt me. Damn it. <laughs> Mitch, I don't know if you guys know who Mitch Hedberg is. Uh, he, well, was. He was a comedian. He, uh, he has a joke about Velcro being the sound of his addiction because he had a Velcro wallet. Uh... And was addicted to gambling. Uh, great one-liner com- comedian. Uh, passed away way too soon. Uh, love that guy. But anyways. Too old for Earl. Yeah, way, way. Um, next next week, 9.30, here. Listen to the podcast a couple days later. I am going to drive to Moriarty and burn Earl's house down. Um so I, I'm not sure if he'll be on the podcast next week or not, but me and Seth will be here at least, and and we'll have a good time regardless. So uh, until next time, guys. Somos amigos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Medoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.